My eyes were glued to the TV in the 90s, face 12 inches apart from the static screen, holding my breath and carrying all superstitions in my three-foot growing frame, watching him poetically move and dominate each end of the basketball court. Everybody wanted to be like him, including me. I practiced my game in the driveway, making crowd cheering noises as I dribbled to our basketball hoop. I jumped off the couch and spun, pretending I can hang time before smashing an imaginary ball into a hoop. I made the basketball team by channeling his mentality, believing that I could do anything just like he did. Years later into my adulthood, I got 23 tatted on me. With six NBA championships and a legacy that makes any Chicagoan proud, he symbolized what it means to be the greatest of all time in basketball, but also transcended the NBA courts to become a lifestyle and fashion icon with his Air Jordan line capturing the hearts and minds of basketball players and street style lovers alike. He's also wrapped the hearts and feet of Filipinos. Filipinos love Michael Jordan, but I never understood why Michael Jordan was so influential to us until I started working on this episode. This is Charlie Kane, and you're listening to Best Kept Secret Radio, a monthly audio program about the lives of Filipinos. Every month, we choose a theme and put together a variety of stories around that theme while peeling back the layers of the modern-day Filipino-American experience. Most of us may not be close to six foot or winning championships for a career choice, but we do have more in common with Jordan than we realize. In this episode, we have a handful of stories exploring how much Filipinos have in common with Michael Jordan. In three chapters, we go side by side with the most memorable moments of Jordan's career and weave in the commonalities of Filipino experiences. In chapter one, we talk with Chris Munar, a colors and materials designer at Nike, about the lane he and Filipinos have made in gaining acceptance and expressing identity. It became the shoe that was banned by the NBA with an implication that it was because it made Michael such a good basketball player. On September 15th, Nike created a revolutionary new basketball shoe. On October 18th, the NBA threw them out of the game. Fortunately, the NBA can't stop you from wearing them. Shoes like the Air Jordan bread ones may have been designed as performance footwear. Still, they've become a symbol of something else entirely the beginning of a long line of signature shoes by Nike that would change basketball, music, and one of the catalysts for streetwear. Nike's marketing strategy in 1984 was clever. They used Michael Jordan as their spokesperson and gave him a signature shoe to promote. But it became more than just a rollout strategy of a new product. The sneakers, with its red and black colors, in opposition to the all-white requirement at the time, gave a breath of rebellion, shook things up, 
and grew into a signal and promoted sense of belonging to youth culture and basketball fanatics. In 1984, there were more than 501,000 Filipino immigrants in the United States, tracking towards being the second largest origin country for immigrants by 1990. While we are growing in numbers, we weren't seen as much. Many out there forget Filipinos are, in fact, Asian Americans. Most would also agree that when people hear the word Asian, Filipinos are rarely the first people that come to mind. In the book, The Latinos of Asia, written by Anthony Ocampo, an interviewee states, it's hard to pinpoint who's Filipino because there's not a specific look. Seen as racially ambiguous or racial chameleons, sometimes how we present ourselves or what others perceive us depends on the context surrounding us. While many were being introduced into a new country in new ways, a younger generation of Filipino-Americans was being drawn to Michael Jordan and how he flies and those bred ones. The shoes literally bred a new context, a new way to fit in, or a way to be accepted. This was 1984, but fast forward to the present day, Wherever we are in the crowd, Filipinos are versatile, Chris Munar told me. Half Japanese and half Filipino striking a balance between ethnic identities and stigmas, Chris carves a way to find himself and in turn, finds a lane too. And growing up, basketball is like for sure my first love. I think that's where streetwear unconsciously like it for me where it was born you know sport and streetwear culture is like used together as one now almost you know so i fell in love with sneakers growing up because of basketball so that's how i got into jordan so that's how i started collecting sneakers jordans were a way to be introduced to a fashion lifestyle the connection and ease are the natural bonds between the game and filipinos and then like my friends that i played basketball with they were into sneakers too so then that's how you got introduced to like the East Bay magazine and Slam and all of that. And so I remember at a young age, like I would be looking at these magazines and I would be like coloring in the shoes, you know, on different pages, not knowing that that was an actual profession. Basketball is more than just a sport to Filipinos. It's closely associated with Filipino pride and identity in the same way streetwear is. In both basketball and streetwear, you have to suit up and represent. Style codes help to communicate something beyond themselves. Yeah, growing up, like I was always into, into art and drawing, and then my love for sneakers, those two things kind of just fused together. And then I started getting into, oh, I want my clothes to match my sneakers. So then you start getting into like outfits and stuff like that. And, you know, the people around you are into that too. So then it kind of, you know, you guys form this bond. I asked Chris if Filipinos have a distinct streetwear style that they can claim. Like there's certain things I feel like that Filipinos can just pull off. No one else can do it. And I feel like the way, like, I feel like our identity is just like. We go back and forth, pinpointing the right word to describe how we form our individual style. Because like there's a lot of 
stylings that you see, and it's just like you don't see that anywhere else. And we're able to just transition into like new trends and recreate what our style is. It's almost like you like just taking like I'm trying to think how do you are Filipinos takers assimilation camouflage fit in chameleon. These can have negative meanings to them. Yet Filipinos have this magic about being able to show up a little differently, but not too much. Chris lands on the perfect description. I think versatility is probably the one word that I can think of that, that fits us the most. Because like size, shape, height, whatever, like, I feel like any Filipino can just pull off whatever and they know how to just make a lane for themselves that's comfortable for them and that fits them and it doesn't look off and it's just true to them. Versatile, like Jordan on the court. Replace Chris's words with Jordan and we're one and the same. Filipinos can pull off whatever. They know how to make a lane for themselves. Jordan can pull off whatever. He knows how to make a lane for himself. That's chapter one. Being a Chicago kid is one thing, but being a Filipino Chicago kid raised in the 90s is another. We hear from Filipinos from Chicago, J.P. Kalabakweeb, Jesse Manawis, Christian Marquez, plus T.J. Bingman in Portland, and the impact of Jordan and how his flex influenced them. 1992 NBA Finals. Tonight, game one between the Portland Trailblazers and the Chicago Bulls. The scene. The Portland Trailblazers face off against the Chicago Bulls in game one of the 1992 Finals. Now, Michael Jordan was never known as a good three-point shooter, but he unleashed a barrage of threes that night, making a record of scoring six three-pointers in the first half. They referred to him as an assassin behind the arc that night. After connecting on his sixth three-pointer of the night, which he swished over his defender Cliff Robinson, Jordan turned to the scorer's table to look at Michael Johnson and shook his head three times. I'm covering the finals. So the night before game one, we were at Michael's house playing cards, and he said, you know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to give it to this dude. Then, as he jogged back down the court, he shrugged his shoulders simply. This was a humble, yep, I can't believe it either reaction. His rat-a-tat-tat firing of six three-pointers led to what became known as the Shrug, one of the most notable celebrations in NBA history. Deep down though, Michael Jordan loved to flex. He especially loved proving wrong to naysayers or those who took him for granted. Michael didn't want anybody to have nothing over him. 
When it comes to Michael Jordan and him being such an integral part of childhood, seeing him play, seeing the endorsements, seeing the shoes, and hearing his just-do-it mentality rubbed off on Filipinos, especially Filipinos from Chicago. Now, growing up in Chicago, um, you know, in the 90s, I was born in 1990, so I vividly remember the second three-peat of the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jordan had a huge influence in my life early on. And I remember my first pair of J's that my dad got me, uh, 1996, black pair, black and red pair of uh, 11s. These memories are vivid for Filipinos in Chicago. While for some it was an introduction to sneakers, some marked the wins. For others, it became a way of life. Like for Jesse, who used it as a catalyst beginning his streetwear knowledge and introduction to style, but eventually leading to life lessons. I think it all really started in grade school, you know? One guy, uh, Michael Jordan. I think he, was, he is like the pinnacle of like what I am and what, what I evolve around my daily life now. Uh, you know, just growing up, in Chicago, in the Chicagoland area and appreciating Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and their 90s run and just like seeing all the cool like athletic sneakers that he dropped every year and like, oh my gosh, I need that. <laughs> I need those. What was this need? It's anecdotal and personal to each Filipino, but resoundingly, it's being part of something, being part of those I can't believe moments. Filipinos have a quiet but loud flex within our pride, within pursuing our dreams, and within our style. Growing up in Chicago, it's like you gotta, you have to know about your Jordans, right? Like you have to be able to have this piece of your childhood or have something that commemorates the guy that put the city on the map with regards to sports or even, you know, Michael Jordan being this icon that you're just so proud to represent even though you know now it's 2000 when did i start high school like 2002 or now it's 2006 you're still trying to show that you represent this guy or you represent the team or you represent all this um so first it would it would be jordan's i didn't really get a lot growing up um you know i remember going with my mom to nike town and you know we're looking at the Jordans, and we wouldn't get the Jordans, but we'd get the team, like the team Jumpmans and all that, which I never had an issue with. And then going into high school and seeing all these different, like I said, like trying to figure out what is my fashion or what is my style. Um, everything revolved around the shoes for me. I remember going into the basement of my mom's house and finding this like original '98 pair of uh, Jordan 13s. And they were my uncles because he lived with us in the basement. And I was like, yo, Dito, can I wear this? And he's like, I, if you can fit it, dude, I wore a size 10 and a half and uh, Tito Hato downstairs is a size 8. I'm like, I'm going to make this work. Take out the insole. I make them super loose. Dude, I rock them all the time at school. I wore them for my senior pictures. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, oh, this is awesome. I get, I get like this piece of nostalgia. I get this literal piece of history on my foot. So that's like the Jordan side of it. And, you know, um, so if I'm wearing these Jordans, the kids at school that love rap, they, they're like, yo, this kid's got the Jordans, blah, blah, blah. Like my Filipino group, like they remember them. It was just this commonality that was there. For some, Jordan has become representational of us. Air Jordans for sure. 
Like, I, I guess that would be the one piece then, would be Jordans, because, yeah, and even when I'm on Instagram now, it's like, you just see all these shoe profiles, and it's like, sure enough, it's Fili- some young, really young Filipino kid who owns this profile, <laughs> who would all of Air Jordans, you know, in all different styles, colors, and everything, you know? That whole, like, I mean, you might remember the whole Swagapino thing from, like, Tumblr and all that stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that whole meme. That was going on for a really long time. Swagapino, by the way, was a term turned meme that described Filipinos who posted their streetwear fits onto Tumblr. But it was such a reflection of that 2010s era of streetwear. Think fitted caps, Obey, Pro Club t-shirts, Jordans. According to the Flying Lugao, this is a Swagapino lifestyle in its final form. The 2010 shaped the film man muse culture. The catch-all unintentionally created a life manual for minorities and communities all over for the greater good. The internet meme isn't a meme anymore at this point, but cooked into the day-to-day life of the Filipino-American interested in sneakers, basketball, hip-hop, and streetwear. Much like the shrug and the narrative it took form in Jordan's career, Filipinos hold a quiet flex, but one that says quite a lot. This is the NBA on NBC. The 1997 NBA Finals. The play. So sick and suffering from flu-like symptoms that at times he staggered, a dehydrated and exhausted Michael Jordan wills himself to 38 points against the Utah Jazz in a pivotal Game 5, adding to his legend as a clutch performer and relentless competitor. Now the big story here tonight... The story concerning Michael Jordan's physical conditions. This Jordan arriving about two hours ago. He is suffering from flu-like symptoms. Made his way onto the court just moments ago. And as you see right here, looking a bit shaky. He was up all last night, spent all day in bed, did not eat at all, did not uh, go to the shoot-around earlier today, did not practice. So uh, his status is uncertain. He persevered, chipped away toward a win. He's tied the game at 77, and he did it in casual form, and you can see how exhausted Michael Jordan is. No reaction after the shot. Lacking energy, Jordan looked lost in the first quarter, scored 17 points in the second, but struggled in the third, but then flickered on in the fourth to score seven points during a 10-0 run that erased Utah's 77-69 lead. His three-pointer in the final half minute gave Chicago a lead it did not lose. The Chicago Bulls had defeated the Utah Jazz. Classic performance by the flu-ridden Michael Jordan. A performance that I think will go down as one of the greatest of his career because of the situation. Let's go to Ahmad Rashad. Ahmad? Michael, one of the great performances, the way you were feeling. You played 44 minutes. It was all about will. Yeah, you know, it's all about desire. You just got to come out here and do what you got to do. 
You wanted it real bad. Small efforts add to a collection of achievements that make up a legend story. Like Jordan, generations of Filipinos have stories around perseverance. Their perseverance to immigrate to a new country. Their perseverance to learn English as a second language. Their perseverance towards jobs and hustles to provide for their family. No effort is ever lost. For Chapter 3, we listen to Carlo from Sacramento, who dreamed about having the best gear, saving up for Jordans, and how shooting his shot has become a form of meditation, weaving through the persistence in his daily grind to land him a job at Jordan. I grew up like middle class. You know, I didn't, I couldn't get everything I wanted. So you want to be the freshest, you want to be the flyest as you can be. And, you know, if your friends got a pair of Jordans or forces, you know, it's like, okay, well, I got this. You know, I always had it in my back pocket. Like when I do get money one day, when I do have a job, I'm going to make that happen. And I've, I always just admired it and always learned about it from afar and kind of touched it when I could, when I had money saved up. And then as I got older, I could, I could get for the most part, you know, get the clothes I wanted. But for a while, it was like, it was like the five for $20 uh, tee the champs and saving up all year for the Jordan 11s. As the wins continued, Jordan became an inspiration for Carlo. Like many kids, he affiliated wearing Jordan, whether it was the sneakers or a jersey, on being like Mike. Let's, let's bring it back to like age six and seven. At 1996, right? So that was my early memories of, of seeing Jordan play um, when, when he won his first ring for his second three-peat. So technically his fourth ring, but, you know, coming back to basketball. Um, and then my parents got me a, like, reversible Jordan jersey that was red on one side, white on the other side. And, you know, putting that on, feeling like a champion, and then watching Space Jam, and also playing basketball too, but, like, in terms of my influence, like just having that jersey, seeing MJ win his, his first ring in the second three-peat, watching Space Jam, from there just kind of growing an appreciation for the game. Carlo grew his appreciation for the game and absorbed Jordan's tenacity and built a backbone that enabled him to persevere through challenges. And then fast forward to like middle school, that was my first taste of like of an L, like a big L of not being chosen for the sixth grade basketball team and realizing like, okay, I have some things I need to work on. I need to work on my left-hand layup. I need to work on my confidence in dribbling, you know, just little things here and there. So when I say I took that L, like I, I trained, I played as much basketball at the Fili- local Filipino leagues in Sacramento and just worked on my left hand layup and the things I wasn't good at. And then I made the seventh grade basketball team. You know, that's, that's such a small moment, but like in hindsight, like that was very impactful for a sixth grader, middle schooler. (laughs) This perseverance Carlo had then turned into a meditation. And I would just shoot, shoot around and I would put on interviews. Like I listened to some interviews from Kobe to like other people who I kind of looked, looked up to, both in basketball and in like the marketing creative world. And it would kind of be my place of Zen. And then I got really obsessed with it. So it would almost be like, I, I couldn't start my day without going out there and shooting my shot, so to speak. I, I do it every day to kind of clear my head, meditate. I know some people like, like to sit down in a dark room or like do yoga in the morning. But for me, my, my form of meditation and setting the tone for the rest of the day and the week is shooting the same 14 shots 
I have to make them all. They're at different parts of the court. And it's, it's to the point now where if I don't do it, I kind of feel off, <laughs> so to speak, for the day. So I would say my relationship with basketball from being a kid, watching MJ to, you know, making the sixth grade, seventh grade team to being an adult now um, has really become a, a form of meditation for me. Absorbed as a meditative philosophy on how Carlo lives his day to day, from shooting a shot to what perseverance means, Carlo experienced his own flu game where all the efforts in his career, putting seven years into Nike, interviewing, hearing rejections and upskilling, led to one collective shot that he took to land a role at Jordan Brand. It's been a long journey. Like, I've been through the ringer. Like, I've gotten a lot of no's, more no's than yeses. And um, to be able to say that it happened finally is a lot easier said than done. I'm glad you said that, too, because I think probably people look at anyone's career and they only see the highlights, you know, so it's kind of great just to hear like the humbling side of it where you do get those no's. That's real. Yeah. I, I can tell you, I applied for four jobs similar to this, not Jordan related, but for, for brand marketing roles, uh, 2019 and then, you know, COVID hit in 2020. So it was kind of a year of like survival and just trying to get past like layoffs. And I just told myself, like, if, if I had a chance to interview again, I would come correct. And all this, all these experiences of failure, so to speak, I uh, learned a lot from that. And, and it, glad it worked out. Every day we take our shot. Even after the retirement of their idol, Filipinos have found ways to emulate Jordan by keeping the hustle toward their goals. In his career, it was never just good enough to win championships. Jordan himself had to be part of a legendary performance, all the while increasing his popularity with Filipino fans through his stats and sneakers. His career highlights may not be a one-on-one match to the Filipino stories we share today, but these three chapters and beyond show a glimpse into the sacrifices, joys, and struggles of Filipino-Americans to reach our 10-foot dream. This is Charlie Kane, and you are listening to Best Kept Secret Radio. Until next time.